0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's Dr. Sophie for our weekly podcast on some stimulating topic. Last week, we talked about the human mind. We learned, obviously, the more you use it, the stronger it becomes. And if you don't use it, you lose it. We also learned the incredibly important point that sleep is probably the most important ingredient into having a really strong and healthy mind that works and works for a long time. So sleep is really the key and that's why we've got sweep and the essence sweep is about sleep and that stress, the lack of sleep, poor eating, all of those kinds of habits will kill off important cells and functions of our overall brain, which then leads to diminished functioning. So again, it's just all about your sweep, get it intact, keep it in balance and you're gonna have what you need to function and be happy. You can find all of my podcasts on my website, and on iTunes, www.drsophie.com, or on iTunes, or on my phone app. All right, you guys, this week's this topic is taking control of your diet, which is also part of Sweep, because if we don't eat well, we don't put good stuff in, and we get bad stuff out. So junk in, junk out, just like in technology. So we're going to be talking about taking control of your diet, Overall, we're going to look at why is dieting so difficult for so many of us? How can I take a better ownership of my weight or nutrition? How many people ask that? They want to do better. January 1st, all those New Year's resolutions, and sometimes they're in the tubes by the next morning. Uh, So we got to find out why that's so hard. And what are the strategies to really make it a true life change so that we own it and we're able to implement it Hold on to it, keep it consistent, and make it part of our lives. It really has to be a whole life change. So hang on, call me back, 1 855 Sophie Now, or 1 855 767 4966. Every caller will receive a free signed copy of Side by Side, my book on mother daughter conflict resolution. So joining me this week to talk about the really interesting but difficult to own process of dieting is Dr. Kayla Daniel. She's a PhD. She is a nutritionist. Um, She's also known as the Naughty Nutritionist. Hmm. We have to get into that. I don't know what that means. I'm a little scared, But, but they say it's because of her ability to outrageously and humorously debunk nutritional myths, which is so key to people finding some humor in this and being able to really integrate it and own it better. She is all about her nutritional sciences, her anti-aging therapies. I want her to tell us all about it. I also want to hear about her book, which is a great title, The Whole Soy Story. All right, you with me, Dr. Daniel?
1: Yes, I am. It's an honor to be on this.
0: Oh, thank you. How are you? Great. Nice to meet you. So tell me why you're naughty.
1: I'm naughty. I'm the naughty nutritionist because I outrageously and humorously debunk nutritional myths so, and as you know there's just so many myths we need to debunk including the myth that soy is a health food.
0: Right but you know the, the whole debunking of all that making it fun is really gonna make a huge difference for people to get into it own it and make it a consistent part of their life dieting and, and nutrition you know?
1: I think so and laughter is also good medicine.
0: Exactly. So give me a, a myth before we like get into this whole thing, and then we can debunk it.
1: Oh Well, one of the myths is that uh, soy will help people with dieting. And in fact, in Asia, soy was traditionally used to uh, fatten farm animals.
0: That is hilarious. But that why would that get so twisted?
1: Uh, it's all about marketing and selling product. Really? And the basic situation was that uh, the the little soybean was being turned into soy oil, so they broke it apart and they took the protein out and uh, sold the soy oil as vegetable oil, which we all know in so many products and in all those little bottles of vegetable oil in the supermarkets. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of protein left over. And there was only so much they could sell uh, for animal feed before the animals got sick, had a lot of birth defects, and died. They Ah. liked the fact that it did make those animals fat, but they had to keep them alive long enough to be profitable, too. Interesting. So only so much soy they could use in animal feed. So they got the bright idea to use it for people, but it had a terrible image problem because it was perceived as a poverty food or a hippie food or something you'd eat in Cuba or Russia or someplace where people didn't have the, the wealth and advantages yeah. to have. So a terrible image problem until they came up with the brilliant idea to market it as a health food, something that rich people would want to spend money on.
0: Oh my. How manipulated?
1: So they promote it as as curing everything from cancer to ingrown toenails to promoting weight loss to alleviating menopausal symptoms. It's it's promoted as a cure all for anything that might ail you.
0: Ah, got it. So tell me a little bit more about why do you think dieting is so difficult for so many people?
1: I think it's difficult because people are are brainwashed into the idea that they need fast and convenient foods that come in packages and uh, as soon as we're getting away from real foods and whole foods and what we call slow foods meaning foods that we make from scratch ourselves like our ancestors did as soon as we get into processed and packaged foods we get into a whole lot of artificial ingredients
0: ah so easy isn't always the healthiest
1: it's not, and in my opinion, it's not that much easier either. It takes time to pull up to a fast food restaurant, even though it would appear to be fast. Uh, it takes time to buy all those foods in the little packages and to open them up and to do all of that. And uh, we can make a lot of real foods uh, very easily with things like crockpots, have soups and stews going all day. And the bottom line is, even if that takes longer, We're going to have to pay attention and spend time because if we don't do it getting real nourishing good foods, we're going to have to spend money being sick.
0: Exactly. Okay, so then that leads me to my next question. What do you think and see are the most common pitfalls in this dieting world?
1: People are forever looking for quick weight loss secrets and looking for things that come in packages with big promises. And so many of the products that are sold for weight loss are featuring things like, um, say, low-fat. But the thing is, if you're going low-fat, you're probably going high-carb, and that really is what puts the weight on. And so many people are misled by what might seem to be common sense. That if you want to lose fat, you should cut fat out of your diet. And, of course, that plays right into the food industry. Right, because right. Because they love these fractionated foods because, for example... If you take whole milk, you can sell that as one product, but if right. you make skim milk and promote it as being both healthy and perfect for weight loss, then people buy that, yep. but the body's still craving the missing part, the cream, and then people have the problem of they're lacking the willpower, and then they go for the ice cream.
0: Right, and they think they're, they're entitled to it because they're eating and drinking a lesser fat milk.
1: I uh, think they're entitled or just feel guilty later about loss of willpower. But if they drunk the whole milk to begin with, with the cream on the top, the body would have been satisfied and without right. sugar and all those other ingredients in, in uh, commercially made ice cream.
0: Got it. Okay, that leads me to my next question. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to resist their cravings?
1: Because their bodies are craving the parts of the real foods that are missing. When we're getting processed and packaged foods, they are so depleted in, in the vitamins and minerals and fatty acids and amino acids we need. And the body in its wisdom keeps saying, feed me, because it's, it's missing those parts. And we're getting a whole lot of products coming in now that, that uh, for example, are being promoted as healthy because they're, say, low-fat, and excuse me, uh, besides low fat, I wanted to get into low salt. That's what's coming in, low salt. And uh, so it'll say on the label low salt. And then what the manufacturers are putting into that product is something that tastes salty but really isn't salt. So the body's saying, um, I thought I tasted salt, but I still need salt and uh, feed me more. It, the body keeps asking for, for what it's missing. Okay,
0: let's take a voicemail and, then, and we'll answer it and then we'll come back to Alyssa a little bit more. Are you okay with that? Sounds good. All right, hold on.
2: Hi, Dr. Sophie, it's Tom from Indianapolis. Sometimes I feel like my cravings I get while I'm on a diet for the foods that I, uh, that I love to eat but are, are am withholding um, are akin to a smoker craving a cigarette, or an alcoholic craving alcohol is is that a fair comparison am I addicted to food and if so is there any way for me to to curb those cravings thank you very much
0: what do you think
1: yes absolutely the food processing industry is very big on putting addictive substances in food to make you crave more and more and more so the food industry loves these new uh, New things that are coming into the marketplace, the things that are, that give us, say, a salt-like taste without being salt. So the body keeps craving more and more and more, and uh, it never stops. And when you go to a fast food place, they're not only, uh, Putting things into the products that make you want more, uh, but they keep you coming back. It, it's like an addict. You get your fix, you feel a little better temporarily, then you crash, then you want to come back for more.
0: Got it. Okay. I have a question here from Melissa. She wrote in and she says, Who determines whether or not I'm overweight? Me? A doctor? Society? What do you
1: think? Uh, that's a great question because I think the perception of what a good weight is is very, very distorted uh on the one hand we have a nation of of truly obese people and if you travel much around the world you come back to the US and you see that people are really really fat compared to other people around the world but yeah. we also have a fashion industry that's promoting a an anorexic image that is way too skinny right so on the one hand people are very commonly, seriously overweight, on the other people, think that even if they're at what I would call a good weight, they should be thinner and thinner and thinner. Right. We have that saying, you can never be too rich or too thin. And I can say you can be too thin. And especially at midlife, some of these very thin women are brittle uh, emotionally and physically. It's hard on the bones. Uh, when Dr. Weston Price went around the world, <laughs> Uh, And looking at primitive cultures that had none of our health problems, people just did not have the weight problems, period. They didn't fuss over their weight. They were just often sturdy, healthy people, but not fashionably thin.
0: Got it. Okay, I agree. So it's a combination of a lot of forces, but the bottom line is it's not accurate.
1: I would say that's true.
0: Okay. And then another one from Drew. How do I hold myself accountable in a way that works so that I get the results I want?
1: That's an interesting question, a lot of layers to that. Um, I would say to start with, very, very important to be feeding your body real foods, nourishing foods that are traditional and satisfying, because if you're trying to do it with processed and packaged foods, it's going to be very hard to hold yourself accountable when your body is just screaming for all the missing parts that it needs. So, for a starter, really nourish the body and love the body by taking the time needed to to get real foods and prepare them yourself.
0: Okay, all right. Let's do another voicemail if you don't mind.
2: Hi, Dr. Sophie. My name is
1: Michael. I'm calling
2: um, for the podcast today because uh, you know I feel like I eat a pretty balanced and healthy diet, but I have a lot of friends and family members who. I've tried a number of different dieting practices from calorie counting to high-protein diets to Weight Watchers to the point system and and counting uh, the different points for different foods. And, you know, with varying degrees of success and kind of intermingled with varying degrees of exercise while on these diets. And my question for you is, Aside from nutritional practices and amounts of exercises, um, are there any lifestyle changes that you know I could recommend to other people that would make living healthier a much more persistent thing, um, kind of some tips I could give them? I really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: That's a really great question. What do you think? Uh,
1: yes, it is. Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, the one book I think is excellent, uh, a book by Dr. Mary Ennig and Sally Fallon that's called Eat Fat, Lose Fat. And I like that book because it's a very good introduction to to a nourishing traditional diet such as our ancestors would have eaten. It um, does a whole lot of myth busting in terms of why we do need fats and need to take care with carbohydrates. On how it's important to prepare good old fashioned soups and stews. Um, there's a lot of common sense in there, and uh, the goal is both weight loss and health simultaneously.
0: Yeah, you That's know what?
1: one of the biggest problems with so many uh, weight loss books is is that those are programs that cannot possibly keep people healthy for long.
0: Yeah, no I think you're absolutely right because you know it sounds more like have you the paleo diet?
1: Uh it's similar. Uh We recommend a few more carbs than some of the paleo people do. Um, I think paleo can be be somewhat extreme, but paleo certainly helps many people, at least initially. Yeah,
0: I mean, it looks like a good baseline to start from, and then you can add or subtract or change it. But it kind of does that basic early ancestry mind frame in eating.
1: Exactly.
0: And so, like, that's a, a tip for Michael. And I also think, you know, also balancing everything because if you don't balance it you're going to overwhelm yourself you're going to be excited and the honeymoon period's over with and then you don't have anything left to do because you're not interested so what do you think like balancing things exercise the right kind of diet with good basic structure in it are the best ways to get to the long haul in this
1: absolutely uh i don't think you necessarily have to be at a gym working out frantically every day but keeping in mind that our ancestors did get exercise as a part of daily life, and our lives are very different today with us sitting at computers all the time. So we do need to get outside, we need to walk, um, we need to get some exercise, uh, but a very good balance. We need to have fun, maybe it's dancing and singing, Uh, just spending the time... Doing food preparation, which can actually be very pleasurable in a meditative experience.
0: Right. And, you know, I think that's part of the problem of why dieting is so difficult and there's all these gimmicky kinds of ways to do it because nobody really values the fact of going to a market and making food and feeling the, the, The nice stuff that comes out of preparing something that tastes good and and that whole process, just in general, the process and what it gives you back, much less how you then nourish your body in a better way. I think we've gotten away from the meaning of that kind of stuff.
1: I think you're right about that. Uh, When we go to, say, farmers markets and get to know the farmers, it, it also puts us in a whole community. Right, and that feels really good, too. It's a very different experience than being under the bright, ugly lights in the supermarket and all the packages and all the all the speaking over the loud loud yeah. system and all that unpleasantness um so much better to to know our farmers work within the community,
0: yeah, and you connect to your food better in the whole process of. You know, getting back. I mean, I tell many people get back to basics in your family structure, eating as a family, but also shopping and making the food. And, you know, those are skills that even though they may have been ancestry, they are long lasting. And there's a reason they made such a strong culture
1: and families that eat together often stay together. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay, so I have one more question from Jennifer. What are are foods that I don't have to feel guilty about when I eat?
1: (laughs) Ah, Yes, Um, foods uh, that have lots of fat, foods like, um, say, lamb chops and lamb shanks, you know, complete with the fat, roast chicken along with the skin, lots of good healthy fat in the skin, and that's what makes it taste so good lots and lots of butter on those good vegetables
0: but the guilt
1: no guilt it's good
0: (laughs) but what do you do with that fat in your head you're thinking oh my god i'm getting fat
1: well so many people think they've got to eat these salads and vegetables and they think it should be low salt and low fat and that stuff tastes terrible right and add a whole lot of good fat with them. And by good fat, I'm talking about things like butter, and you can eat a whole lot. (laughs)
0: Why, though? Why is that going to be okay for people who are going to listen to this and say, are you out of your mind, lady?
1: (laughs) Well, those are good traditional fats, and our ancestors weren't overweight for the most part. But that's because... Fashionably thin, but uh, not so overweight as many of us are today.
0: So really what you're saying is the that we think is thin is too thin and eating a little bit more fat, healthy fat, allowing ourselves some privilege and being good to ourselves doesn't mean we're going to get obese.
1: We're not going to get obese and we need that good fat um, because we need it in every single cell membrane in our body. We need it in our brain. Our brains are 60% fat. We need it for hormone production. We need it to feel mentally balanced. We've got a nation of people trying to be low-fat and a nation that's on Prozac and other drugs for depression and mental health issues, a nation that's that's overweight. Uh, so many health problems, and part of the picture is people are either eating bad fats as, right. and in processed packaged foods, or they're trying to be very low-fat.
0: Right. Well, I think it's an interesting thing that we do need make, to make sure people understand that our brain is 60% fat, and if you don't eat enough fat to support that, you'd have a brain that's probably not functioning on all its cylinders.
1: And another food that people feel guilty about but I strongly recommend is good artisanal bacon.
0: Ah, why?
1: Uh, Bacon, um, besides making everything taste better, it's a feel-good food, and uh, bacon fat, um, which is similar to lard, is mostly monounsaturated fat. It's a stable fat. Uh, doesn't go bad or rancid easily, and everything tastes so good with it.
0: Okay, so really, the guilt is the biggest problem.
1: Absolutely, and people who have some bacon, they get enough of that uh, sweetness. Uh, so that they're not craving things that actually are bad for them.
0: Right. So the bottom line is by dieting and not doing it properly or not really balancing your diet, you're thinking you're doing great with no fat, skim, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're starving your body for other things that that it desperately needs and then you're getting them in other bad ways.
1: The body is absolutely starving right. on those diets.
0: And either you're not replenishing those things that you're not giving it, or you're having problems medically, psychiatrically, that may be tied to that.
1: Completely. And so many people think uh, they beat themselves up for lack of willpower, and the problem is they're, they're, they're
0: starving to
1: stay away from the things that are perfectly fine.
0: Right. They're starving. Is that a fair statement?
1: I think so. That
0: people on Before diets people are starving quite themselves. quite
1: overweight and still starving.
0: Absolutely. Okay, and then one personal question I need to know. I saw this report that said diet versus regular soda is kind of not what we think it is, that diet is probably worse. Is that a true statement, would you say, or what do you think about say that? I
1: that's very true. Why? Our diet sodas are full of addictive substances mm. and excitotoxins when they contain things like aspartame, for example. Now, of course, regular soda's got high fructose corn syrup with most brands, and that's another whole set of problems, too, so we really need to get away from the, the sodas that we find in the supermarkets and convenience stores.
0: And is there any good soda?
1: We can do homemade ginger ale and, and root beer.
0: Okay, but that sounds fun, but what if we can't? What can we drink that has bubbles and feels like soda?
1: Uh, well, there's all those sparkling mineral waters. Okay. Uh, Of course, uh, for somebody who's been, say, addicted to Diet Coke, it's going to be, you know, a hard transition. But slowly. But slowly, and people do need to understand that the reason they feel so good is that there's a lot of addictive substances in those products.
0: And by that, you really mean these kind of toxic elements and the aspartame yes, and, and, and all that stuff. Yeah,
1: something in there that just makes you want more and more and more. Yeah. And part of what's going on is is you taste something sweet with, say, a diet soda, but the body's not being satisfied in terms of appropriate sweet, so you keep craving.
0: So it's a, like a fake-out. Yes. That's interesting, because then you're you're tasting sweet, so you think, ah, sweet, but your body can't speak for itself until it gets sick.
1: Right. Got
0: it. Okay, so tell me about you and where we can all find you and get more of this great information.
1: My website is Okay. and I'm posting lots of naughty blogs and also some short videos where where I share what uh, is the information that's exciting me the most each week. Very
0: nice. And we can always find more there, right?
1: Absolutely. All
0: right. So, thank you very much. You've been a tremendous help. And I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be reaching to you and getting their questions answered because dieting is always a struggle and making it funny is really a good thing. Thank you. So thank you much. very much. So,. That was interesting. Dr. Kayla Daniels. She's a naughty nutritionist, but very smart woman who gave us some really great understandings in a simple way about this dieting thing. And I think it's important that you take away these points because it is such a complicated issue. It's a constant life struggle for many of us. And to simplify it, make it funny, couldn't get any better of a way for us to take it in and try to own it and make it a part of our life and I think the first thing that we have to really understand from listening today is that it can't be a fast process or it won't last so dieting can't be fast or it isn't going to last it has to be a progressive place where you take your mind and your body so that it becomes an overall life change and then it's integrated into you and it's a piece of you I think the other kind of myth kind of understanding we should look at is low-fat diet foods are not necessarily what they seem to be, that many times we think we're doing a good thing by drinking skim milk, which was Dr. Daniel's example, that they take the kind of cream off and you got your skim milk and you think you're doing great, but your body still needs the fat or the cream. And so it's going to find it somewhere else or else it's not going to find it and you're going to have a problem medically, psychiatrically, some way it's going to manifest itself because your body still needs to be nourished. And that was her bigger key thing that we think we're on diet food, but we're really not nourishing our body. So maybe we should eat some of the stuff we think is fattening or not on the diet to really feed and nourish our bodies, which will then make the machine work better instead of starving ourselves. And then the third point I think is really important is that you gotta look at that whole overall process of nourishing and loving your body, because if you don't, you're really starving yourself and it's gonna come out in a different way. And that the fourth point is is very important that you have to have a really good, solid understanding of how this works and balance things that are key points of healthy living and healthy dieting and eating and all that stuff. And that's exercise, a stable diet, but that means having things in there that might cause guilt, that might create you to enjoy them, but you gotta be able to control it because your body needs some of those fats and some of those carbs that you're kind of maybe not giving your body and starving yourself for. And one of the examples she gave, which is very true, is our brains are 60% fat. So if we're not eating fat, how are we nourishing our bodies and our brains to make them work? And therefore, are we more depressed? Are we more anxious? Do we need more psych meds because we could just be eating the skin on our chicken. So we got to think of it that way. And I think getting back to basics is really key for anybody, but especially for any family. Eating together, shopping together, getting back into the process of buying our food, knowing who we're buying it from, like a farmer or at the market, and really going home and showing our kids and our children and making traditions of how to make food and how to make it healthy and making making the food part of our life and something that really builds a family as well so I think they're really great points that we should take a look at so that dieting and healthy eating is a better way to nourish ourselves and stay where we're at because it's important one of our uh, callers was wondering or uh, emails was asking you know how do I know if I'm too fat who's telling me I'm too fat is it the doctor Is it the American Diabetes Association? Is it society? And, you know, at the end of the day, it's really a combination of all of that stuff. And the perception of skinny is probably a little too skinny. And if we were allowing ourselves to eat and nourish ourselves, then we could definitely find ourselves in a much better place of owning the diet process and not fighting it all the time. So come on back anytime you need me. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, for calling in your emails, your voicemails. Podcasts are always available on my website at www.drsophie.com or on iTunes. Again, www.drsophie.com. New phone app is out and it's available on iTunes. Go check it out on call with Dr. Sophie. I am always around at one 767 My book, Side by Side, the revolutionary mother-daughter program for conflict-free communication is always available on my app on Amazon. Take a look, get it. There's a workbook on my phone app that really will help you uh, do some of the exercises with your daughter or your mother to help get that point across. Please follow me on Twitter and Facebook for any updates. iTunes, again, for the full version of Andy Grammar's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing, don't forget to sweep.
2: But you gotta keep your head up, oh, And you can let your head down, hey. You gotta keep your head your head down.